Welcome to How We Win, the official podcast of The Persistence. The most important election of our lives is here. We don't agonize, we organize, and it is up to us these final days. It's GOTV time, folks. One last push to do everything we can to protect our freedoms and fight back the rise of fascism. So to help pump us up and send us off to talk to voters with the messages that win is co-founder and president of Way to Win, Tori Gavido. I'm Steve Pearson. And I'm Jennifer Fernandez-Ancona. And And this this is is How How We We Win. Here it is, GOTV week, GOTV weekend ahead of us. So much to talk about. And uh, and before we do, I know we usually talk and then give you your call to action, your to-do list, but I just want to make sure everyone knows this website, bluein22.org. It's an excellent place to go and find a place to talk to voters, find an activity, an event, a campaign event near you where you can make an impact. So that's bluein22.org. We'll have that link in our show notes. But we want to bring Tori in right away to have this conversation with us. So let's bring Tori in right now. Tori Gavito is president and co-founder of Way to Win and is responsible for steering the vision and strategy of the power network of donors and strategists. Prior to Way to Win, Tori was founding executive director of the Texas Future Project, which uh, we all know did some amazing work over the years in creating the purple state that Texas really is, getting blue, getting bluer. Maybe this, maybe we can elect a governor, Democratic governor. Uh, shouldn't have said that out loud. Uh, Tori's career is inspired by her grandmother and namesake who immigrated to Texas from Mexico in the 1940s. And you're here helping out, jumping in with your colleague, Jennifer. Thank you so much for being here. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. Of course, I, you know, you work hand in hand with Jennifer the co-founder of Way to Win. Uh, But could you talk about Way to Win and the work that you uh, both are doing there? Yeah, sure. I mean, to say Jen and I work hand in hand feels like an understatement. Like, I feel (laughs) like we work like arm in arm, cheek to cheek, (laughs) hip to hip. (laughs) I don't know. Um, And in any case, but yes, um, Jen and I work closely together with our third co-founder, Leah Hunt Hendricks. And um, we are a power network that brings together donors and strategists from across the country, particularly those strategists that are really rooted in their states, um, to build out winning programs. Um, We believe deeply in local organizers to pull voters into the electorate, to have hard conversations with voters that are like just just being inundated by disinfo and misinfo and all the kinds of confusing things that they're hearing out on the streets these days. And so having folks do year round organizing coupled with, um, you know, really smart, compelling messages that unite us are, are we think the way to win. So we've built an entire network dedicated to resourcing that theory of change. And uh, I guess either of you could answer this, but what's your focus here uh, as an organization in this last week? Or is it just kind of launching all the stuff that you've been working on? Ooh, that's a good question. I think Jen should take a whack at it. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, this week is really the culmination of it, 
two years at least, and probably you could go back farther before the 2020 election, because what Way to Win does is really about using short-term elections to build toward longer-term change. And so anytime we have an election, we want to do as much as we can, elect as many candidates as we can, really build infrastructure in these swing states that Tori mentioned all, all across the country in the typical Midwest and also in the new and emerging battlegrounds of the South and Southwest. But we've been preparing for this particular midterm since the day of the insurrection in 2021, mm. when we were preparing to celebrate our wins in Georgia. We were one of the few organizations that really invested in Georgia much, much earlier before any other national groups did. And, you know, we knew that when we saw what happened at the Capitol, that we were not out of the woods by any stretch with removing Trump, even preparing for the inauguration. We just knew seeing what happened on January 6th, we, this was not going to be easy. And the, these fascists were not going to go down lightly. And so we really had to prepare. And we, we uh, moved, you know, over, I think, $40 million to grassroots organizers in states. We built this incredible message campaign that we talked about on the podcast a couple of weeks ago with the knot mm-hmm. around protect our freedoms, really arming groups with uh, great ads and great messaging to unite around this midterm. So I think what we're trying to see it through, we've we've moved all the money we're going to move um, in this election cycle, right. but we're, we're really preparing for what comes next. We know it's not going to be easy uh, to get through this election day. It's not going to be over after election day. It's We know it's going to take time to count all the votes. We know, as Anat warned us, when they lose, they lie and then they lash out. So we're preparing for that. We're building up funds for runoffs that we might see in Georgia. We're just in a culmination of a lot of hard work and a preparation for the work ahead. But what would you add, Tori? Oh, I'm just glad you got to the point about what comes next, too, because I think, um, you know, look, it's just this election is competitive. It truly is competitive. And so we're going to win some things and we're going to lose some things. And it's hard to predict exactly what those things are, um, despite our best efforts to keep abreast of all the new polling and listen to all the locals on the ground who are moving big field programs who can give us like on the ground details. Like the reality is it's just a really, it's a cycle with a lot of political upheaval at, at a local level and a national level. And so um, we really think that our charge looking past election day is recognizing that um, democracy is still ours to build and save and, and build anew. And so that requires, um, deep partnerships and 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 planning as we think about what's going to come in 24. So, you know, we're not going to spend a lot of 23. We don't have a lot of luxury in 23 mm. for a lot of infighting or a lot of finger pointing or a lot of that sort of like. Or a lot I of think, napping for that matter. Or a lot of napping. <laughs> and we didn't get a lot of naps after 2020 either. Well, I don't think anyone's napped since Trump ever like <laughs> right. entered the the political stage, but um, in any case, there's work to do. And so we're holding a lot of those coalitions. Yeah. Well, um, you've kind of touched on some stuff that we want to address in the news of the week. So uh, let's do that. You, you mentioned polls. We'll get to that later, but there's some important uh, things to talk about with the polls. But first I I want to uh, talk about the political violence that we've seen. Um, and the attack on Paul Pelosi, and uh, and you know I I don't like 
I've learned enough from a not not to amplify the um, the, the villains and, and and what they're doing, but the disgusting response from the GOP is is really hard to ignore right now. Um, and uh, I, I would love to hear your all's thoughts on this. But first of all, I, I just having had the opportunity to work with Speaker Pelosi and even more closely with Christine Pelosi, um, who I work mm-hmm. with in the California Democratic Party and with some grassroots circles, you know, our, our thoughts and prayers are going out to Paul and the entire Pelosi family. Um, it's a terrifying thing. And it seems like every week on this show, we keep talking about uh, how this violence and rhetoric is escalating, and um, and now we we see it come to you know terrible terms once again. So, um, in this moment, looking at the violence that's coming uh, and and the rhetoric that has created this atmosphere of violence and has um, amplified the conspiracy theories and the lies that have led to these kind of actions. Where does this put us now? Uh, and, and what is our job? How do we best combat it? I mean, I think that um, we keep expecting someone from the Republican Party, a leader from the Republican Party, to say this has gone too far. And it's like, how many instances of this has gone too far where they remain silent or worse yet, they fuel the misinformation um, that we we recognize they are not your father's Republican Party. Like we are not dealing with a party that is um, acting in good faith. Um, and a a genuine policy debate about what kind of economic system is best for Americans. That's like not where we are at. And so I I just, I don't know that we have, um, I don't know that we can can take any more time in in worrying about what they're going to do next and just recognize they are not going to do anything (laughs) except fuel the hate. And so what are we going to do next is the real question. Where is our leadership? Where where are we taking these stakes as seriously as they should be? It's very, very frightening out there. Yeah, I, I totally agree. It's frightening. And you really hit it when you talked about how it's not just that they don't say anything or that they don't condemn it they actually are stoking it more like the the fact that they would take what happened and then create a bunch of lies that were even repeated by elon musk the new owner of twitter it's just beyond i think anything that we've seen and i think it really underscores the points that we've been making which are that this is not a normal political reality that we're in. It, it's not. It's not a normal political food fight that we're in right now. It really is a different kind of time. We're facing real dangers. I think what I keep feeling is that there is a anti-MAGA majority. Like you'll hear people say there's not, we don't have a democratic majority because we have gerrymandering and we have the electoral college and we have a lot of challenges with building a, a majority that's just Democrats. But you can see in the numbers that we do have a majority that is an anti-MAGA majority. And we need to really build that majority right now. We need to strengthen it. We need to keep unifying it because that is the only thing that's gonna save us from fascism, I think in the next couple of years. And uh, again, I, I'm just 
while while uh, her husband is in the ICU, of course, our speaker, the third in line of the presidency, is out mm-hmm. there continuing to rally the troops and and fire up volunteers and and work for the yeah. midterms and work for her building her coalition. I mean, she has not stopped, uh, and yeah. um, and she's just a, a remarkable a remarkable person. She is. Agreed. And it's, I think um, another reason why we're taking so seriously the post-election um, charge that we have to create mm-hmm. unity. Like, I think there's, I mean, we had to win. When we launched in 2018, after a year or so of planning and talking with stakeholders, I mean, I, rem- I remember standing on a stage and saying conventional wisdom about politics is dead. And every establishment actor that brought us to where we are today and you know, 2018, this was right before the midterm. So mm-hmm. we'd just gone through the 16 cycle and we were planning for the 18 cycle. And I said, you know, uh, they brought us a decade worth of losses. And I, I do think all of that is true. And yet <laughs> I think it's incumbent on us to, if we've got platforms or stages or microphones in our hands to say, we are not in, um, in a debate with Nancy Pelosi, this is not a, an issue between establishment Democrats and progressives at this point. Like, we've got to work together to find ways that um, embrace all of the best strategies, all of the best thinking, um, get all our resources on the table, both financial and strategic resources to think about how we're going to build out of this particular cycle. Even if we win, like, a good Let's say it's like a really good year. Say we buck all historic trends yeah. and we hold the house. Go on. And, yeah. And we hold this knock on wood. I know you started by saying we're going to win Texas. So like now I'm jinxing all the things. Let's knock on all the wood. I said um, I hedged, but, but case, I'm hoping. Um, yeah. Like say, say all of our dreams come true and Democrats have a gangbusters year um, in spite of every historic trend that we know. Like we're still going to be in a battle of our lives to hold democracy to 24. Like yeah. it doesn't, that's, I think that was the, the big uh, wake up call that the insurrection gave us back in 21. Right. It's like all of a sudden doesn't mean like our opposition just disappears and we all are like, you know, we're all just like, we fixed it. We're done. Democracy saved. Yay. (laughs) And so imagine then the stakes that we really have. We have a really fired up opposition. We have a pretty fired up base. Thanks to like all the work of the folks that are um, setting the stakes for, you know, what this election means post Dobbs and post the, um, the January 6th hearings. Um, Mm -hmm. And so we've got like two real factions, like pushing, anti-democratic forces and democratic forces in this particular midterm you see it play out in arizona you've got like armed militiamen guarding drop boxes in arizona at the same time you have like you know dreamers and you know children of immigrants like rallying their communities to turn out so like this is like real we're at real odds even if we even if we win half of what we want even if we win a quarter of what we want we're going to be in a massive fight to 2024. So we've got to stay unified. Well, I thought about those armed armed uh, militia members as I was uh, going with my wife and daughter to our drop box to drop off our, our early uh, – there's my sticker my, – um, our ballots, you know, with – Oh, Tori did too. I voted today. Oh, yay. 
Yeah, <laughs> nice. In Texas. Yeah. Love it. Um, well, let's uh, – so much to talk about. I do want to talk about uh, these skewed polls. I, the notes I have written here are skewed polls and media bullshit. Um, and I think that's an apt way, apt way to describe them, um, because a lot of people are wringing their hands over these polls and, and Jennifer and I discussed it before, but, um, uh, Joy Reid did a really great segment on uh, what's behind these averages and, and that these averages are really being skewed by uh, over 50% of these polls are coming from Republican firms. This is a, a, a targeted effort to skew the results of the aggregate polls so that it depresses and represses our turnout numbers. Because when the polls start to look bad, that makes people want to stay home. And over 50% of these polls are coming from Republican firms. So um, it's important that we know that because we want people to feel enthusiastic about this because they should. If you look at what the places you should be looking, which are like Target Early and the actual ballot returns, we are on pace you know, to exceed 2018 and, and nearly match 2020 in this midterm with our early voting returns. Better yet, don't look at that at all and just spend all of your time talking to voters. Am yeah. I right? <laughs> no, well, for sure. I I want to say that I read, I think earlier this week, that there's a th- about a three point difference between the generic on real clear politics polling and, and one without any partisan polling. So that's that's mm-hmm. a pretty big difference. I mean, yeah. that's that could easily swing any of these races. And I think what's happening is that the media is just getting played. Like the political electoral media is just getting straight up played by the by these GOP push pollsters who are totally skewing the averages. And then as we see, they write all these stories, well, why are Democrats failing now? Or what's terrible now? And then that just fuels more fear, fuels more um, uncertainty about the result. You know, it's not good. Like, as we know, what we're preparing for with the armed militias out in Arizona, et cetera, we're preparing for the GOP to deny the election results. So we cannot have a bunch of fake stories talking about how they're ahead and they're gonna win. It's only going to feed that story that they're going to say they, you know, see, we had all these stories saying we we're going to win. And now it looks like we're not winning. So it must be f- fraud or it must be right. Wrong. That that is the real danger of what the, the media being played actually is right now. Do you really think they're getting played? Or do you think it's like an intentional something intentional about the yeah. way the structure yeah, of the right. media like I think the industry is structured. I think the media can't help themselves. I mean, this is like a big, shiny, sparkly pony in a window that they're just banging at and they can't stop talking about, you know, but they just can't get away <laughs> yeah. from it, even though they should know I better. I think you're right. It's like they are getting played, but they're letting themselves get played because they actually want it. <laughs> they yeah. actually want Democrats to lose. Like we had we had a poll go public, what was it, a couple weeks ago, Jen, now? Two, mm-hmm. two weeks ago? Yeah. And I feel like any time a journalist, when I saw it picked up or retweeted by a journalist, it would say, progressive outlet says, and I don't mm-hmm. feel like the mm. Republican polls, <laughs> go, like super conservative outlet says. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they, they, yeah. They do they do tend to call out like the progressive media, quote unquote, you know, but, um, you know, the both 
sides-ism of it all, which is um, really there's truth and there's fiction, you know, and, and that's what they should yeah. be reporting on. And, uh, and the truth is, like, like you said, Tori, earlier, this is not the same Republican Party of old. It would be nice if we had an election where two parties got up there and said, this is what we're for. And, um, and you know, if you like what I'm for better than what the other person's for, then you should vote for me. Mm-hmm. But the Republicans can't do that because everything that they are for – um, getting rid of our, our rights, getting rid of rights for women's autonomy, you know, giving money to the corporations and getting rid of regulations for to protect our climate, um, supporting yeah, yeah. the NRA and, and, and making guns more accessible, making lives, you know, less safe for our children. All of those things are wildly unpopular. None of the American electorate wants those things. So instead, Republicans have to try to skew polls. They have to try to repress the vote. They have to try to intimidate. They have to uh, go full-on fascism to stay in power because it's the only way they can do it. They have no record to stand on. The other thing that they're doing that I think should absolutely get called out is the way they use race as a tool to divide us. They're race baiting at extreme levels. Like – darkening candidates faces on literature, uh, you know, putting old tropes, you know, throwing old tropes at candidates about, I'm, I'm not even going to repeat it. People know what the tropes are. Yeah. And it's yeah. just what they rely on all the time. In addition to those other, you know, heavy handed and often violent tactics. Well, absolutely. You, Tori, amazing with the segues. Perfect, because now, sp- <laughs> speaking of uh, of rampant racism, speaking of dark forces, <laughs> and dark forces, um, you mentioned Elon Musk and and the new owner of Twitter earlier, and uh, oh, Twitter has gotten bad quickly, and I want to hear a little bit about that. But but the reason I'm talking about it right before the election, because first of all, don't get distracted by Twitter. Don't even worry about Twitter. Talk to voters. Like. Go out there and talk to voters. We have an election to win. But, yeah, um, but there are few voters on Twitter. That's Actually, a great point. That's... There's not that many voters on Twitter. <laughs> uh, maybe, I don't know. There's a lot. There's, but but um, I mean, it does shape media narratives. It's an important place because it shapes media narratives. All the journalists are on Twitter, so I don't mean to minimize it. But it is true that it is not the same as so other social sites like Instagram and Facebook, where real voters actually are and can be reached, um, TikTok as well. So if Twitter is not a place where very many uninformed voters live. It's, it's a more of a place for activists and the media. It's more of a wormhole cesspool of despair <laughs> for the, for us who can't stop staring at our phones the middle of the night. But what I, what I do want to say is it has gotten bad quickly. There's a lot more trolls, a lot a lot more. Like I don't know if you all yeah. have noticed it. I don't have that many followers, but even on my few posts, I'm getting a lot more uh, trolls on my posts. Don't mm-hmm. feed them. Just a reminder. Don't feed the trolls. Ignore the trolls. Um, a lot of people are block leaving Twitter. Them. Yeah, you can block them. A lot of people are leaving Twitter. I would say, yeah. please, please don't leave Twitter yet. Like you can make a decision about leaving Twitter after the election, but as you articulated, Jennifer, it's still an important place where we share our messaging, uh, where the press, you know, gets the the truth from us. You know, uh, impactful yeah. videos, impactful. You know, we we need you to kind share like those hashtags. Exactly. Yeah, they pick up on the zeitgeist. 
So I mean, it is true, though, that the people that would, are more likely to leave Twitter are also the people, because they have a critique about the business model and the new owner, and are probably the people that can actually discern with critical thinking skills who's a troll, who's a bot, mm-hmm. who's, like, engaging you just to stir you up. And yeah. if we have those th- critical thinking skills, then we can put up shields and understand what the platform is and isn't, and we can probably weather through it a little bit longer as we see because where like jen said it herself she said um the voters aren't there but boy are the media makers there boy are the like the influencers you know who are picking up on stories who are creating echo chambers like twitter has a massive impact on print news on tv like i don't know i feel like um i have seen a direct uh Twitter to MSNBC pipeline before, mm-hmm. for example. And so for sure. it's still an important space to engage. And for our volunteers yeah. and activists, it's still an important uh, organizing space. And we've done a lot of yeah. fundraising from Twitter. And I want to, I'll get to that uh, in, in my reason for hope a little bit later. But um, uh, yeah. and, and Jennifer, there's some other organizations you can get involved with to help out too, right? Yeah, I wanted to lift up one of the organizations that Way to Win funds named uh, called Kairos. They've been doing a lot of activism around a more democratized internet. They put out a statement about Twitter and they're just, they're also asking people not to leave yet because we shouldn't leave until we know where we're going. We don't, you don't want to just have unilateral disarmament in a place like Twitter. So, um, they, but they were talking about how we need to think about tech platforms in a, in a similar way that we might think about participatory budgeting in a city. Like we, we need to understand that these are public commons, but they're not treated as public commons. They're, they're public commons that are in the hands of one or two people and giant corporations that have no accountability. So it's just an important conversation that I think they're leading and I wanted to shout them out. Great. We'll have a link to, to them in our show notes page. But um, don't go down that wormhole right now. Talk to voters. Talk to voters. Talk to voters. Talk to voters. <laughs> um, but uh, speaking of one of the great things that we can do online, that's share important videos that will make you better at talking to voters. That was smooth, right? That wasn't bad, Tori. I mean, you're doing good with the segues, but that wasn't a bad one. Share important videos. <laughs> Um, Way to Win uh, just dropped as we're recording today. Uh, is it called Protect Our Freedoms? I don't know if the video has a title. It's called Freedom for All. Freedom for All. Uh, I have to say, I absolutely freaking love this video. I believe seriously deep in my heart and every word of it and every bit of this message. It is so important. It's what I believe that this moment calls for. And uh, I'm so grateful to you all for putting it out. Uh, the, the video is beautiful. So I want everyone to watch it, but we're going to play the audio from the video right now. America was founded on a dream of freedom one that is yet to come true. It was freedom for some, freedom for the few, until we, the people, rose up and came together. From the Underground Railroad to Standing Rock, from Stonewall to Selma, we've pushed America towards that dream of freedom again and again and again. 
but there have always been those who use fear and division to cling to power. Now, once again, they are threatening to take away our freedoms, to control our own bodies, to vote and have the will of the people prevail, to love who we love. Progress often seems impossible. The truth is, we decide what's possible. You decide what's possible. We can build a country where all of us are free to thrive, a place where equality, justice, and liberty are real. And someday, when the next generation asks what we did in this moment to protect our freedoms, we'll be able to say everything we could. What, you know, um, I don't know if you knew this about me, Jennifer, Tor, you definitely didn't know because we just met, um, <laughs> but I used to, uh, for a decade, be a spinning instructor. And, uh, and one thing I would always tell my, my spin students is, uh, what do you want and what are you willing to do to get it? Right. So um, right now we know what we must do in this moment, and this is our time to do it. What are we willing to do? Uh, I just love mm -hmm. the spirit of that entire video. Uh, tell me, I, whoever wants to go with this, um, why this ad is effective and, and why is it effective as our final word before the election? Do you want me to start, Tori? I mean, you're, it's your brainchild. <laughs> you have to start. <laughs> is this yeah. yours, Jennifer? Did is this your it's, your baby? Yeah, it's my brainchild. I love. There it. were other parents involved. <laughs> yes, not, and not, it was a not. It was a love child of myself and a not actually. Um, <laughs> no, don't put that in, Steve. <laughs> <laughs> it looks. It, it looks like that. It looks like that. I see a little bit of both of you in that video. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it was. It was. It came out of this collaboration that we did with Anat and her team at ASO Communications. This firm. The the wind company that made the beautiful animation. We've been working with them for a couple of years. They're amazing to work with and always have bring a lot of artistic vision. But we really wanted to try to capture a story about America that felt true to us, that, that feels like a way that we can feel um, proud about being American and also aware of the struggle of America that is is inherent has been inherent from the beginning and we really set out to write a love letter to multiracial democracy what would it look like to really see that come to life we we had been hearing and following uh the author Anand Girahadadas who was talking about how if we're going to succeed we have to tell better stories than the fascists. And right mm. now we're not doing that. And so we just really wanted to tell a story about who we are and where we've been and where we're going and this idea of um, of freedom and our and our freedoms that connect us together as a multiracial democracy, that desire for freedom and to understand the real threat that this current GOP Trump MAGA Republican faction ha is having on us, but that it's not a new threat. It's the same faction that has threatened freedom in, uh, to and it has threatened multiracial democracy since the beginning of America. Mm -hmm. And so really just trying to show that whole sweeping arc and to make it then at the end really use the messaging advice that we got from our from our project that 
tells us people need to see themselves in it. People need to have agency. So the idea that it's we decide what's possible. You're not going to tell us what's possible. We know we can decide that and hopefully give people an empowering feeling going into this last week of GOTV. Love it so much. Tori, and then what? I would add just this idea when Jen says, you know, we have to tell a better story. The question also is like, who is we? It's all of us. And so, um, you know, part of Way to Win strategy is deeply um, committed to storytelling that tells a compelling story about the promise of multiracial democracy. Part of it is funding um, grassroots leaders on the ground who are actively building grassroots democracy. And what we have learned over the series of like many cycles now is an increase. It's it's interesting. Like it's an increasing need like um, that our organizers Mm -hmm. who do year round organizing and do mass mobilization around GOTV time by knocking doors that as they have been knocking doors from 2016 to 2018 to 2020 to 2022, increasingly they're finding that the folks who should be on our side, that are modeled to be likely progressives or likely Democrats, um, have um, so much they're so cross pressured by Republican talking points and disinformation and misinformation and all the ways that they get confused about the economy that um, their minds are already set about who to vote for. And so we really need to give a lift to our organizers to give them something, some charge um, to create a, um, to create a why it's important to vote. And um, we're finding organizers too. It was, it, it is both, I think, a symptom of, you know, um, our base getting incredibly pressured by Republican talking points, but also I think a symptom of the COVID years where we had to, we didn't have doors to, at the scale right. that we had them when we were running in 2018. And so we needed different ways to be able to talk to people beyond just field. And so, you know, even today we're getting texts from organizers um, who run big field programs that they need compelling content because they're going to put them up on, um, was was it today? We learned that one of our organizers are putting up ads like on um, trucks and they're going to roll them through the communities, just have them have (laughs) these ads playing in neighborhoods. Like why not? If we can't buy airtime, (laughs) we can tell the story at a mass scale at a in a grassroots way too. So it's all, it's, it's all um, uh, creative energy that I think is needed. I love it so much that, 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 that we is the, how we win too, that it's the same we, and, uh, and, and this video, this message is central to, uh, the work that we're all doing together. Um, and, uh, uh, so great job with your, your, your baby, your little baby video, Jennifer. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you and so I much. Hope, and I'm I really hope, happy with how it came out. You should be. It's beautiful. And I want everyone to watch it and share it, share it, share it and get it out there and play it on, play it for your canvassers, play it for, get people hyped up and ready to do this work. This is our moment. I I interviewed Dolores Huerta a few weeks ago at an event out for candidate Christy Smith. And, Mm -hmm. and she said something that uh, she had said to me before, actually, but um, 
She said she has like young people who come up to her and say, I wish that I was around in the 60s for the civil rights movement and the labor you know, movement uh, and, and that I had been in that fight. And she says, this is the time right now. You are in that fight right now. This is the time that we're going to be looking back on in history and, and saying, what did we do in this moment? Where, where did we step up? What difference did we make? Mm-hmm. So that is uh, another Damn good segue into our (laughs) hero of the week. (laughs) If I do say so myself, just patting myself on the back all day here. Um, Tori, you don't even know me, so I'm just like this obnoxious guy. It's like, (laughs) no, but suddenly I'm like, spin instructor. I see it. (laughs) Yeah. I'm a hype guy for sure, but it's, uh, but it's well warranted now. I, I, um, My hero of the week now is uh, heroes in general. It's all the listeners here. I'm truly blown away. Uh, We have a How We Win fund that we've been working on for the last few months to raise money for our our, most competitive Democrats. And we have exceeded our goal. We're now at $205,000 raised. Um, beat our goal of two hundred thousand dollars. I'm I'm really stunned and grateful for all of all of you. That's uh, over three thousand individual contributions to make that happen, and it's a testament to awesome. uh, the power of our listeners and and the coalitions that we've built. You know, big thanks to Muller. She wrote the Daily Beans, Frangela, the Midas Touch guys, Stephanie Miller show, everyone who's collaborated with us on this fund. You are all my hero of the week. Everyone is out there knocking on doors, talking to voters right now. Uh, <laughs> anyone who is like fired up and like I can't even listen this show anymore. I've got to turn it off and go talk to voters. I'm not kind of sad about that, but I'm not mad at you. You can ch- you can <laughs> check it out next week. You're all my hero of the week. Well, that brings us to this week's to-do list. Duh. I mean, it's a big duh. Like every week, Tori, we have different you know items and actions for people to do. Talk to some voters. If you're not doing that already, <laughs> like guess what? Uh, letter writing's done. The big send is behind you. The time to talk to voters is right here. If you're uncomfortable with it, um, this is your moment. Like, step up. If you're near a, a district with a competitive race, go knock on some doors. It's really fun. It's really rewarding. Uh, and and those voters need to hear from you. If not, hop on the phone and call some voters. Uh, go to bluein22.org. It's a great site that will plug you up uh, plug you in with opportunities <laughs> to get involved. Plug you up. That's bad. Um, plug you in. Plug you up. That's the worst. <laughs> well, I was going to say, if you volunteer in Texas, there's typically tacos involved. And so. Well, that might plug you up a little bit, too. Yeah. Like, <laughs> it's too much information. <laughs> this whole I'm, election I'm, is making me extremely constipated. <laughs> I can't wait for it to be over. But um, yeah. I, this is what editing is for. But go I was going to. Yeah. I was going to say, my on my to do list is this week is traveling to Texas. That's where I'm going to be for GOTV with Tori. We're going to go and do some block walking in Houston with the Beto campaign and possibly other campaigns we're going to be helping out while we're there. We definitely um, are excited about supporting Beto. And then Houston, you can't you can't talk about Houston without talking about Lena Hidalgo, who's the mm-hmm. county executive there. Um, one of the youngest to ever be elected, uh, Latina, 
She's done a phenomenal job. She really has governed through fire, flood, and pandemic, like literally, and done a phenomenal job in one of the biggest counties in the country. Um, Harris County, where she is the executive, has as many people living in that county as the entire state of Nevada. And so wow. we're, we're fighting hard to reelect her again in the face of really well-funded opposition. I mean... I have friends that were looking at the finance reports, these last finance reports, um, uh, Latina running against her who has all the Republican backing raised like 3 million in the last 30 days and wow. uh, in a county race, like, yeah, and that's like just one fundraising her. report. So in any case, the, the, the challenges here are big, but that's why we are putting on our running shoes and block walking. <laughs> I was going to ask you what you all are doing for GOTV, and uh, that is so fun. You guys are going to be together, doing knocking on doors together. I love that. Yep. Are you, we, please please post pictures on, on the social oh, medias. We've we got some way to winners <laughs> heading out to Atlanta. We've got um, way to winners heading out to Wisconsin to help Mandela mm -hmm. Barnes. And then we've got way to winners heading to Texas. It'll be fun. <laughs> um, we've taken up a lot of your time, Tori, but we have to finish off, of course, with our reasons for hope. And there are a lot right now heading into, oh, no big deal, just the most important election of our lifetime that depends, you know, could be the last actual election we have, whether we fight back fascism or protect our freedoms. No big deal. Um, <laughs> maybe I'll start. I'll, I'll model what, what my reason for hope is. Um, I mentioned the target early uh, numbers. You know, ignore the polls. Look at the early returns. They are giving me so much hope. I'm kind of stealing Jennifer's from last week, but um, <laughs> they, they continue to look good. The other thing is the youth turnout numbers look very good, too. Um, they are on track to match, if not exceed, uh, 2018's youth turnout numbers. And if that does, in fact, hold, then uh, the modeling shows that we will be able to hold the house with that kind of youth turnout. That gives me a lot of hope. And, um, you know, we have the momentum on our side. Please don't look at the polls. Know it. it. Look at the early returns and then get out there and fight like hell to make sure that we have an overwhelming victory that is hard. The Republicans are going to do it anyway, but it's hard for them to refute the results if we can really overwhelm them at the polls. That gives me hope. Yeah. Uh, what about you, Jennifer? That's great. My reason for hope is, you know, it was Halloween this week, and so we saw a lot of Star Wars costumes. I myself dressed up as Princess Leia for the Monday Movement Briefing. I saw that. And I was just, so sad I missed that. <laughs> <laughs> it was just a reminder that we didn't win in the first movie, uh, and it took us a few movies to really put away the Empire. <laughs> they kept finding ways to come back. So I think I feel like... I feel hopeful that we collectively made this cycle competitive. When you think back to those storylines in the early spring and summer, it was very, it was a, it was, it was basically we were being told there's no possible way you can win. This is going to be a bloodbath. This is going to be a landslide by the GOP. So the fact that we are sitting here not knowing what is going to happen, feeling like it is very close and it's a jump ball election 
instead of a, a bloodbath election, that that's a big deal that mm-hmm. all of our effort, you know, collectively has made this truly competitive and that we've learned a lot. So no matter what happens, we are going to be better for it heading into the next cycle in 2024. I think in a way that I haven't even seen happen in all the years I've been working in politics. So that does give me hope. Love that. And that Tori, gives me hope. You get the okay, last so word. This might sound like I'm like, um, what's the word? I'm pandering as like the first time guest. Ooh, but I'm going to say folks like you, Steve, <laughs> give me hope. And I'm being sincere. So Aww. when you remind us about these youth vote numbers and about the volunteers who are giving that they're all and like oh, just the energy that still is out there. I think that there's so much opportunity in new platforms, being able to listen to podcasts that give real news, getting outside of that like spin of the mainstream media getting played or choosing to get played or depending on like, you know, folks are getting information from TikTok. And while that may give some people like some severe like cause for pain and worry, <laughs> it actually gives me hope because it means like there's different ways to connect with young voters. There's different ways to connect with voters of color. There's different ways to connect with different community, the spin community. Let's connect with the spin community. <laughs> Come on, so Peloton like, members. Let's, right, get, exactly. let's do this. <laughs> and it seems to be holding up. Like, it, it, you know, we were told that history was fixed this cycle and midterms, the president power loses everything. And, you know, despite the best efforts to have that mantra on repeat on every news cycle that we could possibly hear it, it's not having the same impact, which means our coalition's sticking together. And it means that we're informing each other in new distributed community ways that I think is really healthy. We are living in unprecedented times and we are writing the end of this story. It is up to us for sure. Um, Mm -hmm. And I'm grateful to both of you for your work. Tori, thank you so much for for jumping in and and helping out with short notice. I can't wait to see the the two besties gallivanting through Austin uh, and Houston together. (laughs) Yeah, it's going to be awesome. It's going to be planes, trains, and automobiles. We don't have trains here. It's going to be buses. (laughs) It's going to be awesome. The buses are back. Buses and automobiles. All right. Thank you so much, Tori. Really appreciate it. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you so much for joining us today. This is how we win. We win when we all get involved. So get out there. Get involved if you haven't already. We want to hear from you, as always. Let us know what you're doing over GOTV. Send us an email at hello at howwewinpod.com. Or tweet to us at How We Win Pod, at Blues Boy Steve, and at Jen Ancona. Make sure you subscribe, rate, and review on Apple or wherever you get your pods and share our show with your friends and family. We're going to be pushing the release of next week's pod because we will all be busy electing Dems and hopefully we'll have some results to talk about. So we will be back with you next Thursday. Yay. <laughs> Happy GOTV, <laughs> everyone. Here we go. 